yum nub. Eat out the yum nub. Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie and I'm not your failure, Obi-Wan. And my name is Matt and I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. <laughs> that's funny because that's, that was actually referenced in today's episode that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, that's why I picked it. It's not, oh. it's not a perfect quote for today's episode, but I was quoting the, the Phantom Menace line, which is referenced in today's episode, yes. Mm-hmm. And you were doing an Obi-Wan line, or a Kenobi yes. line. Yeah, from the uh, series finale, or no, season series, we don't know, finale. If you haven't seen it... Um, what are, you, what are you doing listening to this? Go go watch it. It's great. Yeah, by the time this goes up, it'll, it, that would have been out for like four weeks. So if you yeah, haven't see, seen it, you're never going to see it. Yes. Yeah by, the, yeah, by the time this gets released, season two will be announced. And uh, principal photography will have been completed. But, hey, that's neither here nor there. So today we're going to talk about, or continuing our Clone Wars adventure, canon Clone Wars. We're going to talk about Destroy Malevolence, which is Season 1, Episode 4 of Clone Wars. And our canon watching order and episode order for Clone Wars, it is Episode 10. Um, and its original air date is October 17th, 2008. So it's been a while. But before we do anything with that, we haven't recorded in a month. Um, almost. Probably at least yeah. almost a month, right? Mm-hmm. We've just been busy. So, um, have you done any Star Wars lately? <laughs> well, um, there's the uh, finished the Obi Wan show, of course. Watched it multiple times. Think there was any new books that came out? I just I just do my usual um, Star Wars watching of um, just random clips of stuff that I like um, and trying to catch up on the comics. But there's just so many comics now that it's really hard to keep track of what's going on and like which ones I should read first. Yeah, I'm falling behind on the comics too. Um, but since we haven't talked in a month, um, the Obi-Wan has come and gone in that period of time. We were both super busy. You had Boy Scout thing and I've just been slammed with work and it's just been really hard to, to find time to record. I finished the book Brotherhood, the Obi-Wan, Anakin, Padawan book. That was good. And I started the Rogue Squadron second book, Wedge's Gamble. I watched several episodes of Droids the other day, maybe like a week ago, just because. <laughs> yeah, my, my son, I was watching this episode today and my son's like i kind of want to watch droids with you i'm like yeah hmm. i'll watch droids with them <laughs> <laughs> just just sit me just sit me on the, just sit the ipad pointed at the tv and he and i quality <laughs> okay that's weird <laughs> yeah um so i did that and I watched, leading into the finale of Kenobi, I watched the Mortis arc of uh, Clone Wars. Which oh, that's, was, good. that's a good one. Yeah, we'll get there, but that, that arc had a Ghost of Qui-Gon in it. That's right, it did. And I was hoping and anticipating that they would do that in the show, and spoiler alert, I guess, we're past that. Um, yeah. They did it. So we're not really a spoiler-free show. We're just so delayed, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And and honestly, our hardcore fans, uh, you the Yubscribers, 
we're pretty sure you have pretty much you have a voracious uh, Star Wars appetite, and you'll have uh, watched any of the TV shows or movies. Yeah, if you're on Star Wars Twitter or any Star Wars social media, um, that fact has already been spoiled for you if you haven't seen it. And I would also say has nothing to do with the plot. Mm-hmm. It is a basically the equivalent of a post-credit stinger. It's not structured that way, but it is has nothing to do with the plot of the show. Yeah. Apparently, just Obi-Wan wasn't ready to see him, whatever that means. So it's a good thing Qui-Gon had his pants on when Obi-Wan was ready. <laughs> I mean, we like, talk- hey, yeah. We've talked about this before a long, long time ago, where I've asked you if um, seeing a Force ghost is a Force ability. And at the time, you just immediately reflexively said yes. That was something I was wrestling with. It's like, can anyone see a Force ghost? Or just Force users? But I think think this appearance of Qui-Gon confirms that it is a Force power, and you have to know how to do it. Or be in the right meditative state to do it. Yeah. Um, Because... In Empire Strikes Back, um, Kenobi just appears to Luke. So I'm thinking that um, that Luke is just so, like, he pretty much gets indoctrinated pretty much the second Obi-Wan Kenobi tells him the Force exists. So that he is a full believer. You know, maybe uh, Obi-Wan, it took the six-episode arc for Obi-Wan to come back around to be who he was. Uh, and that's like a... A Jedi Master, and not just kind of a, a broken, broken down dude carving up whatever that whatever that thing was that the giant fish or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, it looked kind of, almost kind of. I think I wanted to talk about it. It looked kind of like a manta ray, if I remember right. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe we. I floated the idea to you over text that we should probably do a wrap up of Obi Wan. He didn't respond, um, but maybe we can like sort of drill down on all of our questions about it because it, it did sort of look like a like a ray like some sort of like like sea ray it was freaking mm-hmm. huge though it was like a it's like a four-story building yeah yeah i um yeah because it made me think of very much of the uh the crate dragon when they were um when the when the uh tuscans were carving it up yeah, yeah looking all... at it yeah looking at it now yeah it does look like a looks like some sort of creature that like fell because it um there's a big groove behind it um like it it it's some sort of flying creature or something and it and it fell and it skidded to the side i mean who knows i haven't gone back and looked at it that closely but i i happen to have it up of course you're scrubbing through your ipad right now No, it's just on, on the computer. And <laughs> right when Obi- Obi-Wan takes a little Kobe beef for himself. But um, I'm sorry, I think I... What were we talking about before? <laughs> it's called a sand whale. Sand whale. It's, I, don't, I don't know what we're talking about before. It doesn't matter. Oh, we were talking about the, for, the force... Um, oh, force ghost. It's, right. it's force ghost. It's, it's force ghost, force power. I want... Yeah, it seems like it is. So do you think what Qui-Gon actually trains Obi-Wan to do is how to manipulate a teenage boy into going on a foolhardy quest with him? <laughs> maybe. Is maybe Obi-Wan's the Elron Hubbard of Jedi, and they would have gone around floating around in space for however many years looking for... I don't know. 
I'd go on that quest with Obi Wan. <laughs> I always find it I always find it funny that like within a minutes of meeting him, or at least a few scenes, Luke is completely a hundred percent on board with the Force. He pleads it a hundred percent. You know, Obi Wan could have just been messing <laughs> messing with him, and Luke's just like, I believe it. Yeah, because he tells Han, you don't believe in the Force. It's like, Luke, you didn't even know what the Force was a day ago. <laughs> Right. All cults start with uh, peace and love and end with bring me all the teenage girls. <laughs> Luke, yeah. just, Luke just looked out that he actually found a genuine cult leader. Um, I guess I guess they do do some work in the movie to establish that he loses everything. Right. And he's got no reason to stick around. His family's killed. He has like this back burner revenge fantasy. And... He wants to go, right? He's always wanted to go, mm-hmm. but but yeah, you're right. He within the span of like a day, he goes from ho hum assistant farmer to um, like adventurer immediately. Yeah. So he, he yeah, and he was actually asking his aunt and uncle if it was okay if he transmitted his application to the academy. What academy? Well. More than likely, an Imperial Academy. <laughs> yeah, he was going to end up uh, as a TIE fighter pilot or something. Mm-hmm. Shooting down rebels at the Death Star. Although, maybe they would do a DNA scan coming in and realize that he's Darth Vader's son and he'd get like, a cushy desk job on the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like when uh, in the military, the uh, uh, academy graduates, they have their ring. And they're called ring knockers because they just kind of like they're always like knocking against something to remind you that they went to the academy or as my uncle said it that they they would knock on a um, commanding officer's door to be like hey I'm an academy graduate give me a give me a choice uh, assignment versus this other uh, scrub <laughs> yeah you scrub toilets you get to iron shirts or work in working like the officer's mess or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, w- I always thought that like, a, I, I, w- I would get stuck being the technician that like puts up the screen invaders, uh, <laughs> like invaders <laughs> chambers. And then like, I don't do a good job and it falls on his foot or something. <laughs> and then I'm just like, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's a, there's a, uh, semi-satirical comic short that's included in, in one of the original or the new Marvel run of comics for the Star Wars series where Darth Vader is basically killing everybody who makes a mistake and there's like a mouse droid that has to like drag the bodies off and the mouse droid is getting very frustrated with how many officers Vader is killing um, if I can if I can find it I'll post it on our Twitter because it's pretty <laughs> It's pretty funny because like someone burns his lunch and he kills them and someone loses the rebels and he kills them and someone just interrupts his nap and he kills them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I could just see like somebody be like, Jamie, like I, I, we know that there's rebels here. Go. <laughs> I end up in the rebellion just because I'm just afraid just because like I accidentally dropped something on Vader's foot and I got to I have to leave the empire and everything behind. Yeah, why? Why? How did you join the rebellion? Fear. 
<laughs> fear for repercussions. Fear for a bad yeah. job performance. I, I didn't sufficiently clean uh, Vader's bidet as well as I could have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which, by the way, you want to know something gross? There's a gas station in Indio, California that has a bidet. Why? Yeah. No. It'll be like not in a million years. <laughs> oh. All right, let's move on. Imagine imagine all the butts that have been cleaned with that. Probably close to zero. <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to Indio um, and see the windmills and um, wash my butt in the bidet. I'll be the first person that's ever used it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's not it's not like a fancy like a tushy one. Oh, I doubt uh, it. You know, yeah, I imagine. yeah, tushy sponsor us. <laughs> all right you want to move on sure all right so before we get into the plot summary of destroyed malevolence um jamie's going to give the plot summary today i want to talk about uh one one cast member um that's katherine taylor aka cat um, and she plays the voice of padme and she's in she's the voice of padme in all of these episodes as far as i can tell um but she has other star wars credits couple of note she also played leia in the force unleashed video games and in the cartoon rebels she plays a rebel named numa which is a human member of phoenix squadron um, designated phoenix 2 not a big part but and she's in a few episodes um, she plays uh, some of the girl characters on the cartoon loud house which my kids watch and enjoy we actually watched a loud house movie for family movie night a couple weeks ago it's pretty funny and she got an extra part in Force Awakens. She was in Maz's castle, just as unnamed alien. Mm. Um, so it's nice to see that she got sort of a payoff there for all of her Star Wars work. Um, in her early career, she appeared on Beverly Hills 90210 as a council member, number one. I tried to I read the plot summary for that episode, and there was no council meeting in the plot summary, so I don't think it was a very important part. But mostly her acting credits are VO. Um, she's done a lot of cartoons such as Curious George, George and a ton of video games. She was in KOTOR and other things like that. Um, so she's got 100, 200 credits. You should check her out. Um, the rest of the cast is our standard cast. We're going to go through all of them as we go. Um, obviously, we're going to see Padme and Kat and a lot more episodes throughout our, our watch of this. She also played... Um, Padme and all of the Force um, Forces of Destiny shorts uh, I forgot to put that in the notes but she showed up there so I just like I just like to f focus on her today because she's sort of the quote unquote guest star of the episode um, but we'll, we'll hit everybody else up um, as we go do you have any comments and, on Kat? Yeah and I'll, this is something I didn't know or at least I did and just forgot because I didn't really think too much about it but the character Numa she plays is actually the the little girl from the Ryloth arc. She's a um, is it the same character? Yeah, she's a uh, gr te not teal but greenish blue uh, Twi'lek. I was wondering, but I thought when I looked it up. Uh, yeah, I mean that's what it says on Wikipedia, and Wikipedia would never lie. Oh, okay. All right, so I was wrong. I said it was she was human, but no, she was a. Uh... She was the Twilight character. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, let's get started. This is the 
third uh, third episode of the Malevolence arc. So the um, quote at the beginning, which is the little fortune cookie of wisdom, says, a plan is only as good as those who see it through. So at this point, Grievous is in retreat. The Malevolence is damaged pretty bad, and they're on the run. And the Jedi cruisers are just hounding them uh, as it flees. It's very... Uh, very much like the the last Jedi, where they're just keeping uh, back and just just shooting at at them. Oh, good call. I didn't I didn't draw that parallel immediately, but yeah, the ship is huge and just on fire, and they're just hounding it. They're just like dozens of like blaster bolts just hitting it all the time. How is it on fire in space? I assume it's burning off the atmosphere that's on the ship. Mm. The atmosphere needed by droids. Yes, the atmosphere that droids need to breathe. <laughs> okay, makes sense. All right, so on the Jedi cruisers, Obi-Wan asks about the status of the ship. The clones report that there's significant damage, but the ship is just so massive they just can't destroy it with cannons alone. Obi-Wan asks if there's any reinforcements coming. Uh, Anakin shows up to report. Obi-Wan asks about Luminara. Uh, she can join them, but uh, apparently she's delayed. Um, taking care of some separatist reinforcements that were trying to show up. Now, on board the Malevolence, the ship is coming apart. The hyperdrive is disabled, the engines are shutting down, and Grievous is pretty much in denial of what's going on. And then back to the cruiser, Obi-Wan and Yularen realize they haven't jumped into hyperspace, so they uh, increase their fire. Dugu contacts Grievous to tell him that he's arranged a trap that will help him escape. Grievous initially says it is not necessary, but is shamed into taking help. Dooku tells him an important galactic senator is headed his way, and she will be a good hostage to stop the attack on his ship. And lo and behold, I'll give you three guesses who that senator is, and the first two don't count. Yeah, so there's only there's something like 5,000 members of the Senate, and we get to meet like 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, this is Padme coming... I was a little weirded out by Grievous's level of denial during all of this. Um, it's one thing to just be angry and be like a hothead. It's another thing to say to like your boss is calling you and saying like, I'm going to help you out of this jam. And we're going to say like, I don't need your help. Like, what are you doing? Like, do you not fear this person? Like, what, what are you, what are you more afraid of? Like accepting his help or screwing up so bad you destroy your super weapon? It's just like, it was such a weird exchange to me, but I don't well, know. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of, there's a lot of people who like, they, they can't accept a failure or they don't want to admit that they're wrong to the point it's a detriment to them, you know? Um, I know what you're just... talking about. You're totally wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. What, what, I mean, I, I, I'm just talking out of my ass. What do I know about people like that? Total fucking assholes. So, uh, 3PO and Padme are in hyperspace. 3PO asks if their intelligence is reliable. Padme says she's headed to negotiate a treaty with the banking clan uh, that, uh, and that uh, Palpatine has uh, gotten her this info. Which is just like, to me, it's just like, at a certain point, when do you stop trusting uh, Palpatine? Because he's like, somehow... Every, like when he gets involved, somehow plans always go sideways. But maybe we're just seeing the ones that he affects. There might have, there's probably like a zillion other battles and stuff that, whereas like 
just everything just went everything went to shit, and they didn't even have any contact with Palpatine. I don't know, but it just right. gets kind of like can, he can sprinkle in positive intelligence sometimes too, right? Yeah, give himself some reliability. Mm-hmm. All right, so they come out of hyperspace and they realize that they are in the middle of a battle. And Groose uh, is excited that uh, the ship has shown up with his hostage. Back on the battle cruiser, Ahsoka picks up on the ship and she identifies it as a Naboo class freighter. The Jedi hail the ship and, it's, and they find that it's Padme. She's in the middle of the battle and Anakin's asking what she's doing. She tells him about the, the fake treaty. Padme's ship is caught in a tractor beam from the malevolence. She says that she will not be used as a bargaining chip, and she orders Anakin to destroy the ship and continue the attack. And, of course, Anakin does the opposite and tells Yularen to stop the attack. Padme realized that she's fallen for uh, she's fallen uh, for a trap, that she's going to be a hostage of, or something. Graves heads down to the main hangar to grab Padme. He orders his droids to fix their hyperdrive so they can return to Dooku. Graves boards a train system that goes throughout the ship. Now... Can we talk about the train system in the ship? I mean, the ship is yes. <laughs> massive. It's just like tons of empty space. Um, and then there's just this rail system that's just kind of in the middle of it going to different areas. So we can we can do this now if you want. Um, sure, yeah. So the ship, the ship end-to-end is about just over a mile in length. And they they designed the ship so large, and we talked about this on a previous episode, how it was actually difficult to render the ship. It was so large using the technology they were using, um, the detail they wanted it. Um, but Filoni, in sort of the concept of this episode, told the animators that he wanted a rail system internal to the ship and didn't really give them any specifications for it. But he was imagining sort of like a Logan's Run, like pod, like gondola pod sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. get in a small pod and like be shuttled through like a bank tube system to get to the different parts of the ship. And then when he saw the sketches for like these flat cargo train sort of platforms, he just basically said, okay, whatever. We can do- use these as well. This is fine. This design is fine. But his brother... Dave Filoni's brother is a train conductor. And so he brought his brother on to make sure that the trains looked like they would move, like mm-hmm. move like real trains would move. Yeah, that's interesting. They also had a very – the design of the trains was very reminiscent of, of the troop carriers from episode one. Yeah, the MTTs. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always cool when there's a little something – keep a, a design – uh, element uh, going. I think we're going to get there in the notes, but also note about the train. Um, sort of a joke that Filoni had inserted is when Grievous gets off the train at some point, it says mind the gap over the <laughs> PA, which is what the London train system says. The, the London tube says mm-hmm. when you get off the train, it says mind the gap, mind the gap, mind the gap. And they did that in this episode. I just kind of accepted this huge empty space and the the rail system is just kind of like oh that's just how it is you know um it's like in galaxy quest when um tim allen and scorning weaver's characters are going to get to the uh, self-destruct and there's these these random things in the ship 
random obstacles that's just right. like make absolutely no sense whatsoever but they put it in there because because it was in the show so it's just something that really doesn't need to be there but they put it in there because of the show and so you were just you just kind of like you're just kind of like yeah and move on it's not something i'm gonna it's gonna ruin uh, the episode for me Okay, so let's see. Goose heads down to the main hangar to grab Padme. He orders his droids to fix the hyperdrive. See, oh, so he boards the crane system. Then on board her cruiser, uh, Padme sets the engines to overload and self-destruct. On the Jedi cruiser, Anakin moves to, uh, to go rescue Padme. Padme exits her ship through the landing gear with 3PO. Grievous arrives and, and mines the gap on the subway system that like you said, and um, he boards he boards the ship with uh, two B ones. He he realizes the ship's about to explode, and he pulls a George Costanza and pushes the droids out of the way to uh, get out of the ship. And the ship de- detonates, and then there's some kind of like firefighter droids that show up. They're kind of incompetent, doing the typical uh, battle droid slapstick comedy. So they they put out the fire, and then eventually Grievous punches his way out of the rubble and says they need to locate the stowaways. Not really stowaways, are they? Yeah, that's that's the thing that I that more like the prisoners or hostages or whatever. But one of those things is like, eh, all right, whatever. And um, on the twilight, Anakin says he's got a plan to get under the ship uh, to basically dock at the emergency lock. He thinks that they're just so uh, that the uh, Grievous and all the other droids on the ship are just so busy they're not even going to notice them. Obi-Wan criticizes this plan, uh, and he goes along for the ride anyway. And then the Twilight sets off for the Malevolence. Now, back with C-3PO and Padme, they're trying to access a comm pedal, but, but they're interrupted by some droids and Grievous. They hide and overhear a conversation that a hyperdrive is almost fixed. Grievous returns to the bridge to report this to Count Dooku, and the search continues for Padme by the B-1 battle droids. Now, they... <laughs> They hide in a pretty obvious spot, but once again, it's like, uh, all right, it's cartoon, let it go. Anakin and Obi-Wan approach the ship, and they dock at the emergency airlock. There's some some banter, the usual Obi-Wan-Anakin stuff, but nothing really noteworthy. Uh, they, some battle droids hear the ship dock, and then they're destroyed when Obi-Wan and Anakin show up. And then the, the banter in the airlock is about spinning, not being flying, but Anakin says... Yeah, but it's a good trick. And that's why I picked the quote. Back on the uh, battlecruiser, Luminar is on a hologram with uh, Plo Koon and Ahsoka. She says that she is on her way. Padme tries to contact the Jedi, and she's patched through to Anakin. She realizes Obi-Wan and Anakin are on board, coming to get her. Padme's on the lower levels, and Anakin and Obi-Wan are on the upper levels. They agree to meet in the middle of the ship where the train system is. Grievous is informed that there's been unauthorized communications happening in the ship. He orders that all comms be monitored and the senator brought to him. This is a weird moment that pays off really well, I think. Like, they can tell... Like the, Apparently, they have the ability to tell when people are doing communications, but not easily listen in on the communications, which seems a little strange to me. But it does sort of establish... And it helps establish later, like why they're listening to them and why they're paying super close attention to all com- all communications, and it, it pays off in a really nice way. 
So um, Anakin and Obi-Wan arrive at the train system, but on a different level than Padme. So Padme and 3PO are attacked by battle droids, giving away their location. Anakin and Obi-Wan immediately approach the area. Padme and C-3PO end up on different trains. Anakin jumps onto a parallel train. The droids blow up and tracks ahead of Padme. She jumps and Anakin catches her. Obi-Wan goes after C-3PO alone and Anakin and Padme kiss. Of course, and Anakin uses the Force to grab 3PO off the train, but he's pretty much splatted by another train. Obi-Wan does that, though. Yeah. You said, you, said, you said Anakin, but Obi-Wan, that's fine. Okay. Obi-Wan says that he lost the droid. I, this would be a thing like, like, oh, no, that's too bad. Anyways, let's go. But I dropped my phone. <laughs> Get another one. Yeah. It's C-3PO. He has to show up. Uh, in the original trilogy and the sequels. So they have to get him. Anakin says that they'll go after him, but Padme tells him that the hyperdrive is about to come back online. Obi-Wan said he's headed that way already and they will meet up. He will try to stop the hyperdrive. Their communications are being monitored, so Grievous knows that he's coming. Yeah, this is the this is the immediate payoff I was talking about. So mm-hmm. they're actively listening and so when Obi-Wan says, like, I'm going to go destroy the hyperdrive or go fuck up the hyperdrive, Grievous is like, yeah, we'll see you there. Right? Yeah. And this this is a good use of sort of a high-paced cartoon plot where, like, no, you got to monitor everything. It's like, now we know exactly where they're going to be and have a reason for this fight. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, R2 tries to uh, locate uh, 3PO. He finds the train that he's on and stops the train. And because it's so uh, abruptly stopped, CPO is thrown for the train, but is fine. Uh, this, this whole, sorry, but this whole like C-3PO on a train thing reminded me of two things. Um, one, it reminded me of C-3PO in the droid factory. Of, like, yeah, that's what I thought. Getting like ping-ponged around. It also reminded me a lot of droids the cartoon mm-hmm. where like C-3PO would get like thrown really hard and land on his butt. And like, he literally <laughs> like face plants into crates in this. Scene. Yeah. And I ex- half expected him to like stand up and have like a spring for a neck. And <laughs> he talking like this. Yeah. You remember that episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was very slapsticky, but very reminiscent of attack of the clones. I'd say. Yeah. So, uh, Obi-Wan um, walks into the hyperdrive and is immediately surrounded by droids and Grievous. Grievous says, hello there, General Kenobi, and Grievous and Kenobi trade barbs a little bit. Grievous orders the droids to kill Kenobi, but in a pretty remarkable escape, uh, Kenobi uh, is able to destroy all the droids uh, using various force maneuvers. I love the scene. Yeah, it, it was it was really well done. He he uses um, the the droid decas. He basically just pushes them and rolls them back, and they roll over a bunch of droids, just like uh, knock them off the, the ledge, like just like they're bowling pins. And then at the end, when he escapes, one of the B ones just kind of says, "Hey, wow, that's impressive." And then Grievous throws him over the um, throws him over the side. Yeah, I mean, there's. So, like, a lot of these hyperdrive rooms, there's, like, a series of catwalks that lead to, like, computer consoles and these huge columns of stuff. Um, and, yeah, he's using the droidic as, like, a bowling ball. But he also, like, 
one of them has its shields up and he sort of like stands behind it and like walks with it and the blaster bolts are bouncing off the shields. It's really, it's really sort of a fun battle scene mm-hmm. and coming off the, the finale of Kenobi. I was very hyper aware of everything Obi-Wan was doing in this episode and it just felt so consistent with that character too. Yeah. Okay, so um, <clears throat> Anakin calls Obi-Wan, says the fleet has to engage, and they will rendezvous back in the twilight. C-3PO and R2-D2 meet up, and they head back to the twilight. Battle destroyers are discussing the hyperdrive when Anakin and Padme make it to the bridge. Anakin destroys the droids, and An- Anakin decides to hack the hyperdrive computer, and Padme starts cleaning up the droids. Now there's a little funny banter between them. Where, like, Anakin makes a huge mess destroying all the droids. And he's like, go clean that up. And she, I say, and then we should clean this up. But then he immediately goes to to work on the, yeah. the computer. So she's just kind of like, I guess I'll clean this up. It's just like, so, it's, you know. it's, it's like a wildly passive-aggressive conversation with your wife. would be like, I guess I'm doing the dishes tonight. No problem. Yeah. I'll do them. Don't worry. I'll do I'll, them. I'll, I'll clean up your dirty Jedi underwear that you just left everywhere. Okay, I'll do the laundry this time. <laughs> I'll clean up the battle droids this time. It's a very funny exchange. Yeah. So, uh, on the uh, Jedi cruisers, they're debating if they should start the attack again or give Anakin and Obi-Wan more time. Now, back on the ship, Obi-Wan and Grievous are fighting all the way to the subway system. Obi-Wan escapes Grievous by jumping on another train. There's actually some pretty cool, like, jumps and um, um, just kind of like aerial acrobatics in this that I, I appreciated. Uh, eventually, Padme and Anakin leave the bridge, and some battle droids return and start to charge up the hyperdrive. Since, Anakin, since we're leaving the Anakin, since we're leaving the Kenobi um, Grievous battle, can we talk about that for a second? Mm-hmm. I know you're saying that the acrobatics are really cool and everything, but I wanted to point out that uh, I know this there's, this has been pointed out a lot in various materials, but in Revenge of the Sith, when Anakin fights. Grievous, he says you're a lot shorter than I thought you'd be, or something to that effect. Because they've never met before the opening sequence of Revenge of the Sith. And people used to argue this a lot, and say like, no, they met in Clone Wars. They don't. Whenever they fight Grievous, it's Obi-Wan that fights Grievous, not Anakin. Mm-hmm. And so in this, in this episode, they very intentionally separate... Obi-Wan and Anakin and send Obi-Wan to the hyperdrive room and have Obi-Wan fight Grievous on the train. And Anakin never sees Grievous in this episode. He's in a different part of the ship the entire time. Okay, so Anakin and Padme find the droids and Obi-Wan eventually arrives as he's being chased. And they flee into the twilight. Uh, Then they're followed by some droid fighters and General Grievous. And then uh, Anakin starts spinning the ship for no reason, just because it's a trick he really likes. They literally and, say it. Like, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but Obi-Wan says to Anakin, now would be a time, a good time for a trick. And then they show the exterior, and the twilight starts to spin very slowly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is this a joke? <laughs> Did you do this on purpose? Oh, you want a trick? Okay. Uh... I will start very <laughs> lazily spinning the ship. <laughs> Like, it's just very passive aggressive. Well, you said you wanted a trick. 
Fine, I'll do the laundry tonight. <laughs> okay. Um, so the crews just open fire, and Padme takes control of the guns in the twilight. The the guns are very seem to operate very much kind of like a submarine periscope. Uh, yeah, that was sort so, of a. I'd never. We had seen the guns on the ship before, and we had never seen that mechanism where she was like turning, like the viewfinder, and it was like aiming, but. It works, right? So might as well. So Grievous is in a ship fighting with Anakin. The battle droids report the hyperdrive is ready. Grievous orders the, uh, them to retreat, and then he will uh, meet with them at their secret rendezvous. The C-3PO says the scanning ship indicates the hyperdrive is operational. Anakin says not to worry about it. Basically, the Navi computer is directing the malevolence into the moon. And the droids cannot reset the computer, and the ship impacts with a mood. Dooku calls Grievous for a status report, and Grievous is like, new phone, who dis? And hangs up on him, and, uh, and then uh, his ship jumps into hyperspace. We want to ask if that was Anakin's plan, and it confirms that it was. There's a kind of a scene, like the, la- the last scene is just showing everybody about the twilight, like, freeze frame! And that's the episode. So... The the fortune cookie saying a plan is only as good as those who see see it through. Is that true? I consider. Thank you for remembering this, by the way, because we've forgotten it a couple times. Um, I sort of interpret this as like a tongue-in-cheek thing because they had no plan and they're still successful, and like we want them to be successful. So of course we were going to assume that whatever they they do is going is a good plan, you know. But I don't know. It it's a true statement, but as far as it being applicable to this episode, it's like a it's like a parody of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And again, a plan is only as good. They don't have a plan, so are they saying like these people are bad? A bad plan is done by bad people, or? Yeah. Yeah. Anakin's plan basically had a few steps. It was one, go to the ship; two, rescue Padme; three, a bunch of question marks; four, fly off into the distance. You know. It, Five, get rich. Get rich. (laughs) (laughs) So so the plan, so in the original script, the plan was slightly different, but it was simplified because it was insane. Um, In the original script, Anakin does a micro hyperspace jump that lands him an inch within the door to the emergency airlock. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm glad they didn't do that because they're his like, they're going to be too distracted to care about me plan is dumb, but it's more believable than like, I'm going to time the perfect hyperspace jump. We're going to get there in a second and I'm going to be an inch away from their hole. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a good call to leave that out. Um, what do you think? What do you think about this? The uh, fortune cookie? Do you think it's appropriate? Um, I don't really think so. I mean, because like a lot of the other ones, they kind of hit on something that wasn't, there wasn't like a uh, a moral toward like oh we got to follow the plan now just fuck the plan we just or we or do we have a plan uh, we're just making it up as we go along. There wasn't a lot of them are tied to like kind of like a lesson learned in the episode. This one didn't really seem like it was tied to a lesson. Right, like like trust in your squad and they'll trust in you or something like that or whatever they yeah and that makes sense in the context of that episode and it is a moral. And it's something that, that one of the characters or all the characters learn through the course of the the show. And they're different at the end than they were at the beginning. And, and 
this is not that right mm-hmm. they completely miss right they would they don't come out of this thinking like like oh we really should have had a plan or that would have gone better if we had a plan they're just literally like staring at the camera at the end like it's a family photo mm-hmm. um they might I as mean, well like throw their hat in the air and like freeze framed yeah i mean there's there's a point where Anakin or sorry obi-wan tells anakin well do, do you have a plan b is there a backup plan I mean, it seems like that we're... And he says no! (laughs) (laughs) I think that they were trying to, but it just... That kind of fell flat, which is fine. There's nothing really wrong with the episode. All right, so there's just a couple of small design things that are in this episode that that carry throughout the series. The Jedi cruiser, the Resolute, which is Anakin's, has its two conning towers painted red. Um, and the others aren't painted at all. That's that's a design thing that carries through. Um, and in the original script, again, um, Padme isn't fooled by Palpatine to go there. Uh, she was showing up to help evacuate the medical facility and gets caught in the middle of the battle. Um, and I wanted to get your thoughts on what the difference between those two plot points are and which one you liked better. Uh, I guess the medical facility, if I had to choose. It gives it gives Palpatine no agency in the whole thing, but it's a more reasonable thing, I guess, if a politician were to do something good rather than just be a complete dirtbag. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I like better. I sort of like that, that Palpatine fools her because it shows – it gives him some agency in this whole thing. Um, the only other note I have is that – that closing shot where they're all like posing for a family photo. That's actually the first time they all appear in a shot in star Wars together. Um, in all of the movies, they're all, they're always separated. At least one character is missing from all of that. Um, so you, you noticed it. I noticed it. And it's in multiple trivia sites about the episode that, that this is the first time those Obi-Wan Kenobi, Padme, Anakin, C-3PO and R2-D2 are together. In the cockpit of the Twilight, there. So that's pretty much all I have. Do you want to move on to rating? Yeah. All right. So now's the time where we rate an episode. How we rate an episode is we use a character from Star Wars. So a really great episode would be an original trilogy character Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, Lando, etc. A really bad episode would be the annoying redneck guy who, like, um, who Obi Wan works for? Yeah, the maggot. The maggot. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Matt, what is your what is your rank for this episode? Um, I'm gonna go to Poggle the Lesser. Oh, okay. He's, he's the uh, sort of the. He's not the leader of the Genosians, but he's sort of the visible leader of the Genosian people. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know Karina. Karina the Great is the leader. But I really like this episode. Um, but it's sort of weird in a way, in like a Star Wars way that I like. Um, and it's got some really cool references in it. And I like that Poggle the Lesser is sort of a character that is in a movie, is in the cartoons, and is in the book Catalyst, too. And so I think, I think it's a, a good representation of sort of the importance and satisfaction of the episode to me. Mm-hmm. Do, you have a, do you have a character you picked out? 
sort of. I picked out pretty much any of Jabba's lackeys from his palace because, well, this show was, I mean, this episode was okay. It was just kind of there. It didn't, it didn't really um, hold my attention that much. So I'm just giving it just kind of a, a random, like Nick to or um, Weequay lackey. That's just kind of like, eh. and then I don't really think twice about it. Someone who get kicked in the face and fall in the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, I do. I do love that we we had taken such a long break from recording. You texted me and you you basically said which one are we watching, <laughs> and I said the one with the trains in it. And you're like, all right, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, choo choo, motherfucker. <laughs> all right, should we roll our die? Uh, yeah. All right, so at the end of every one of our Clone Wars review episodes, I roll a 20-sided die, and I film it. I'm pulling my phone up right now. Film the roll. And if we roll a 1 on a d20, we will review for our next episode an episode of the 1985-86 Ewok series from Nelvana. And if we roll any other number, we will review the next episode in order and what is the next episode uh the next episode is rookies um i love that episode yeah all right ready sure i'm filming and i'm rolling the die (gasps) it's a 19 which is right right next to the one (laughs) on this die all right lucked out again (laughs) so we are reviewing rookies next time um yeah just just a production note we've been super busy and i posted a review episode and i know we're lagging behind by several weeks now but we're gonna we're gonna get caught up and and get through everything um so thanks for sticking with us and we do this for free and we're just having fun and we hope you are too all right you want to take us out yep all right outro thank you for downloading and listening to this episode we would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da